We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Listen, so I had to decide this morning. I had to decide this morning. There's, so, there's just some things that's just not going to do. I had to decide that before I got to y'all. This is something that's not going to do. And one of the things that I decided was not going to do is foolishness is not going to be it today. I claimed it for me, so I claim it for you. Foolishness will not be it today. You know how it is like when the makeup don't lay right, the hair don't lay right, the outfit don't fit right, you're running a little bit late. Everything is just not laying how it's supposed to lay. I know I'm not the only one that has those mornings. It seems like those mornings schedule themselves for Sunday morning. You know, I can get anywhere else just fine, but Sunday morning is going to be an issue. So I had to come to myself and say, today, foolishness will not be it. The enemy will not get say-so, will not get played. And I got here and I realized, oh, you wasn't only playing at my house. You was playing at people's house this morning. You was showing out at people's house this morning. So if you, like me, know the authority that you have, I need you to go ahead and just let the enemy know, not today. We're not doing that today. Everything that is for me, I'm getting today. Every bit of this word that is for me today, I am getting today. I am drowning out any distraction, external distraction, internal distraction, will not rob me of the moment that I'm going to have in the word today. Amen? Amen. Now, if you believe that and you already know the authority that you have and the God that will enforce it, go ahead and give God a round of applause for being present in this moment. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I was thinking, you know, I love being a mom. I'm a mom. I have three kids. I have three kids, um, grown kids. I keep saying kids. My kids is grown. I have like a teenager, but all the children are adults. And I love being a mom. Like I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of things, but the thing that I love the most is being their mom. I do. But I have to admit that it makes me upset. It makes me upset when my children respond to um, an instruction or a direction or a decision that I've made with anything other than gratitude and appreciation. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby, feel away. If I, if, I have, if I make a decision or I give an instruction and I get a response that is outside of gratitude or a, a appreciation, that is a problem for me. It's a problem for me. And you know what's a problem for me? Because for the last over 24 years, I have given my whole life to you. No, like literally. And I did it on purpose because I had decided when I, I was a teenage mom and I decided that I'm going to be the best at this, that I'm going to make sure that I am everything that I need to be for this kid, even at my expense. So for the past 24 plus years, I have literally lived for my children. And for those people like, don't give your life to your kid. Yeah, you do. I, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's my job as your mom to make sure it's our job as your parents to make sure that everything in the world is placed in a way that you can handle it. Because the world is hard, so I'm your safe place. Got that? I've done everything that I have done for the children. I have sacrificed in ways that they will never know and understand. Like, Are there parents in the room? I guess I should have polled that. Are there any, any of y'all have kids? I say kids, grown kids, grandkids, any kids. Kids that you treat like your kids, but you might not have definitely even birth, but just children. Give me, give me so I can see. Okay, so I can see. So you get it. You get what I'm talking about. Yes. I, do, I, love, I love my kids more than I love me. And I've been very obvious in making sure that they know that. I never want them to ever have that question of how my mama feels or how my dad. We, we have made sacrifices. Babe, yes, babe, right? We have made sacrifices for these children because we love them because that's what you do for your children. So in the, in the rare occasion that you get a no, 
right? In a rare occasion that you don't get the answer that you want, how dare you? How dare you feel like you get the right to fill away? Right? Parents, I'm giving you the, I'm giving you the chance to keep it, keep it real. You know, there's no other safe place to say it, right? I'm just, this, is, this is the safe place. This is the safe place. How dare you? How dare you act as if you are being deprived and mishandled or mistreated in any way, shape, or form, right? Tell so parents, we agree. I'm glad that I'm not the only one, and I'm glad that I'm not the only one that's willing to admit it because I'm sure that God right now is saying, are you serious? Like, are you serious? That's how you feel? Well, it's funny. It's funny. I'm sure God is saying, it's funny that you feel that way because when you don't get what you want or how you like it, you tend to why me too. Or God, how could you? Or why do they have it and I don't have it? Or why can they and why can't I? Or I see people all the time that do this, God, and it's okay when they do it, but when I do it, it's a problem. Them same little tantrums that our kids be having, Cody, you're a parent. Oh, don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming, baby. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I know that God, we, we're leaving God in a fill-away type of situation in our, in our reaction, in our responses, in the times that it doesn't flow like we want it to flow or fall out like we want it to fall out. So today, I'll briefly be before you, um, but we want to meet um, some friends of ours in scripture. And I say friends of ours, we are a lot like these people, and that's the Israelites. We are a lot like these people because they're our people. You know how you act like where you come from? They're our people. The Israelites are our people. And they have a blame God problem. This is what I call it. Every time something go wrong, it's like, well, why? Well, how could you? Or why would you? That was just like their rhythm and their way. So we'll go, to, go ahead and go to Exodus chapter 13 while I'm setting this up. Um, the Israelites, now let me make sure I'm clear, because when I was young, I didn't get it when they would say, like, the Israelites were in Egypt. I'm like, if you're in Israel, why are you in Egypt? It's not location. It's a people. The Israelites are a people. So, like, they're the descendants of Israel, of, a, of the man Israel. So, like, me and my husband are the Underwoods, and then we have our children, and our children will have children, and their children will have children, and their children will have children. And all of their last names won't be Underwood, but they come from us. They're our people. They're the Underwoodites. So these are the Israelites, okay? And they, they are in Egypt, and they're in slavery under Pharaoh. Now, if you already know, it's like, I've been in church all my life. I'm telling it so that we can all understand, Okay. So they're in Israel, they're in bondage, and they've been now in bondage and slavery under Pharaoh for 400 years. And at this time, they have grown to over 600,000 of them. That's a, that's a big family, right? 600,000 of them, and they are all in slavery in Egypt under the harsh slavery of Pharaoh. And then along comes Moses. They're in slavery up until Moses, and Moses, you guys are familiar with that, the whole let my people go? Yes, Moses came, let my people go, and then they are freed to, well, after much drama and pressing of Pharaoh. They are, Pharaoh allows them to leave, and they are exiting Egypt. And that's where we're picking up, okay? So they're exiting Egypt, and they're headed to what is to be the promised land, also known as Canaan. They're headed to be out to the promised land. Now, here's the thing. The promised land is really only a three-day walk, journey, ride. Three days. It sure only took three days. But it has always baffled me here in this story that it took these people 40 years to get somewhere that it should only took them three days. How do you even do that? Like, how does three days stretch to 40 years? It just that the math ain't math, and that don't make 
any sense, like whatsoever. And you know how I know it was for sure a three-day journey? Because when Jacob died and Joseph had to go bury him, he took him there from Egypt. And it only he went there, had the funeral, grieved, came back, and it ain't taken 40 years. So people have done this trip in less time. It really is a three-day journey. And it took them 40 years. Okay, so are we there? Um, chapter 13. I don't know if I should move on because I didn't hear your response. Did you, are, are we there? Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, NIV. And it said, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was shorter, God said if they faced war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So that first picture, I have a first picture of what the journey they ended up taking. I'm visual, so I need to see how, I need to see. Okay, so over here in Ramses is where they started. See the lower Egypt? That's where they started. They had to get to Canaan, which is kind of off the screen, but right there on the side, you get it? So they took this, where the red goes shows the route that they took. Yeah, 40 years worth, right? That's a lot in the desert. Okay, but Give me the other. That was the shorter way. When I saw that, that a little bit made me. But then I read the, I, I read the text for my answer, but I, my thought was like, but why, Lord? Why, why would you do that to them? Have you, ever, have you ever questioned God with that? Like, you ever want to do that a lot because church teaches you're not supposed to do that, but why? why? Like, God, there's a shorter way. There's other ways for you to get me to where you're trying to get me to. And I know that there's a shorter route to what you promised me because I feel like in my life right now, other people are arriving while I am still wandering and waiting. Like I'm looking around at people who know the trip so that I can even explain to them why it's taking me so long. Or God, I've been praying about this for a really long time and you already said that it is so, but the, the time from the time you said it to when I'm actually getting a chance to see it, it's seeming longer than what I feel like is fair. Has anybody been there? Isn't there in, in that season of life like God, I, I don't, and it almost makes you not want to pray from the place of questioning God because we're taught not to question God, but it leaves you just feel a way that you're not willing to say because I'm not allowed to say it because I feel bad about feeling like God, you're not coming through because God, you always come through. So that can't be my position, but I'm sick in this bitter place with you, God, because this is taking long. So I had to ask God, like, why? And then I looked in the text and the text says, in the beginning of verse 18, it says, so he led them. And then I realized it wasn't because of them. It was because of you, God. When they left here, they could have went this way. But you led them that way, which meant the long way was your decision. And you didn't base it off of what they did because they had just left Egypt. So nothing about their who they, who they were, what they, what they had done, had earned the long way. You know, it wasn't in my disobedience. Because that's what we like to blame it on. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. And that's why. It's like, who's, whose best interest are you operating in right now, God? That the long way is where you sent me. So today we're going to make it safe to ask. So let's go ahead and ask. Say, Lord, why the long way? Let me. You want to know, you know who you want to ask. Go ahead and say it all the way out. Lord, why the long way? And you know what God is saying? You know what? 
I'm glad you asked. Let's go ahead and address that. Point number one, why the long way? Because you can't fight. I believe if God could talk to us like he really wanted to lay it out and talk to us, it'd be like, you're asking me all these questions, but you can't fight. You can't. Let's go back to the text. Verse 17. Oh, somebody already read it. Hold on, technical difficulty. Old school. 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though it was shorter. He said, if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. You see, they had just left Egypt. They're literally still in the driveway of Egypt. And God knows that because you are so much more familiar with bondage than you are to promise, when pressure is applied, you're going to default to what's familiar. You're not ready for what it takes to fight for the promise that right now to you is only an idea. Your norm, your default. These people were in bondage for 400 years, which means they were born into this mindset. They were born into this slavery. They were born into the way that they are. So all you know is bondage. This is the only way you've ever done it, and this is the only way you've ever seen it done. And now I'm presenting to you the opportunity of promise, of freedom, of a new mindset, of deliverance, of wholeness, of happiness, of peace. And it sounds good enough to be desired but not yet enough to fight for. And it's not because of anything that you're doing. It's not because you're wrong, it's just that this concept is too new to you. And there are things that I have to teach you before I can put you in the position to, uh, to stand the opposition. So here you are thinking that God is sending you the long way because he's punishing you. He's like, no baby, I'm protecting you. I'm protecting you because let me tell you, the Philistines are established fighters. The Philistines, are, uh, they are equipped with iron. They, they were good with iron crafting and weapons. And here you are fresh out of slavery. The only tool or instrument you have been using is a shovel. You don't know how to use weapons. You're not equipped for the battle that you will be facing if I would have picked the short route for you. What am I saying? Like slavery is too downloaded in you. Your way is too downloaded in you. And I need the long way because there's some things I got to work out of you before I can take you to promise. What does that look like? Yes, I know that you want the promotion. And yes, you are the person for the job. And yes, I called you to it. But all you know is show out where you act up. Like press me and I cuss you, that's who I am. So until I work that out of you, I can't put you in the position because the opposition that comes with what you want, you are not built to defend. There are, things in there are things that come along with what you're asking for. That's like people who want these really, really expensive cars. Like, yes, I want the Benz, Laura, the Benz. Everybody's rocking the Benz. I know I got, I work, I work every day. I can do the Benz. Do you know the maintenance of a help God? The oil change, like stop playing. For real. If you knew what came along with, so here's it. You don't want to wait for me to progress you on your job. You don't want to wait for me to elevate you. But you want me to give you what you feel like you can handle. 
Forgetting on faith, just like our children. You want me to give you what you feel like you can handle, but what you don't know is I have lived way longer than you. And I know what comes, and not only that, I love you too much to give you what I know will break you. You're not equipped for the fight that comes with what you want. So I'm not doing it because I'm trying to deprive you. I already told you that I will withhold no good thing from you. But because I love you, baby, you can't, you, you can't fight. You can't fight. You're not ready. You talk big. I know you talk big. I bet when the Israelites left Egypt, they were cutting up. Because you know they had to pass soldiers as they left. Oh, God, I bet they was boasting and talking trash the whole way out. I know because I know I would have been. I know I would have been. Only to get to the edge and God to take them the long way. My daughter is, is, we just started the school year, and by the, she won't be able to get her license until after the Christmas break. So by the Christmas break time, she's going to be able to drive herself to school. So I'm telling her as I'm driving her to school, when you pull out of the neighborhood, I know it's inconvenient to go this way, but that's the way I'm going to need you to take because you're not an experienced enough driver to take the way that I'm taking. So you see me going this way, but don't go this way when you're in the driver's seat because you're not ready to have to make the quick decisions that come with that path. Because I love her, and I don't ever want her to put herself in danger. God is saying, you don't have to, I, I know you're mad at me because you feel like it's taking long. I know you're mad at me because it feels like everyone else is arriving, but I love you. I love you too much for you to have to face what's going to come with this. I love you too much for you to get in the face of the enemy and not have what it takes. But if you let me walk out this long way, trust me, the next time you're in the face of an enemy, you'll be able to say, oh, no, we can take the city. Yeah, yeah, they might look like giants in their eyes, but they don't look like giants to me. Because I don't walk the way enough to know that, no, I got this. I got this. Amen? So let's ask God, why the long way? Let's go to point number two. Give me point number two. You don't know me. That made me think of that T.I. song. Like, they may holler when they see me, but you don't know me. Because that's what you see in church a lot. You see a lot of people shouting and dancing and moving around and carrying around. That guy be like, you don't know me. You don't know me. And I can understand why they didn't. Because they had been in bondage for 400 years. They were born in this. And their God was not available to them or interacting with them or engaging them at the time. So they came under Pharaoh as a God. In their mind, Pharaoh was a God and the God of the Egyptians was what they knew. So then here you come introducing this concept of God is instructing you. And while the idea is good, they don't know him like that. So you're telling me about the promise, but I don't know him like that. And the only reason that a promise is valuable is when you trust the person who's making the promise. So I got to take you the long way because we got to get to know each other on this. Because before, first of all, I don't, you don't know me and I don't trust you yet. Because you're still in the position where if push comes to shove, one, you'll show out on me. Because the first thing you're going to do is turn to me and act like it's my fault. Or you're going to run back to the ex. I can't trust you yet, but I can't take you the short way because that doesn't give us enough time and enough exercise for us to build the relationship that's going to be necessary for you to uphold what I'm trying to give you. So I'm going to take you the long way because along the long way, we're going to go through things like I'm going to have to give you manna every day from heaven because I need you to know that I'm a provider. 
We're going to have to go through little things like me splitting the Red Sea because you didn't think there was a way, but now you know that I'm a way maker. I'm going to have to make you face battles after this long stretch of desert so you can beat Amalek so that you would know that I'm a defender. I'm going to have to let you go through things like y'all getting bit by snakes and everybody starting to drop dead so that I can teach you that I'm a healer. So all these experiences over this 40-year ride that you've been complaining and whining about this entire time, I did it all so that you would learn me. And not so that you would just know about me, but you would know my heart. That you would learn to have a relationship with me. Because where you're going is going to rely on faithfulness. There are things that we are asking God for. You know, it's like, there are things that I will do for my children that I wouldn't do for other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I love other people. Kids, I do. I do. I love, I love the kids. I love the kids. But when it comes to mine, that I have proven who I am to you. And I know that you love me. So our relationship is a little bit different than the friend you keep bringing over. I love her too. I buy her food. I take care of her. Because my rule is, if you're in my house, you treat it like mine. Which means when mine eat, Yours eat. However, when mine in trouble, yours in trouble. So if you have a problem with me disciplining your child as I discipline mine, keep your kid at your house. Works for me. God says, I want the relationship, the father-child relationship that I'm designed to have with you. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to take you through some things. Not for a punishment because I need you to know who I am. Because I'm claiming you as my people. And you have to know me like that. The world is okay with knowing of God. Everybody's okay with knowing of God. We post God. Yeah, yeah, we do. Post God, write songs, pitch everything of God. And he said, that's good for them. But me and you, we're going through some things because I need you to know my heart when it comes to things. It made me think of Ty's testimony because I got to like ride passenger as these different things were happening in her life. And if you, if you, if you weren't here on Lit Sunday, you have to go back and see the, the, the live stream. And it was this thing after thing for a season. It was like, dear Lord, like she's not coming up for air. Like before the next thing, because the next thing, and, the ne- and it wasn't little things. Like one of these things is enough to take you out, but it was thing after thing. And she stood up, she stood up here and she said, God said, I want you to have me. Yeah. That in all of this, I'm teaching you how to call out to me. I'm teaching you how to sit there and look at that problem and look at that pain until you see me in it and know that I have never left you and I never will. I want you to sit here. I want you to sit here in the, in the hurt. I want you to sit here in the disappointment. I want you to understand it because of all of it, I want you to get to know how I work and how I operate because I need you to know me. Are we good with being able to move to the, our last point? Okay, so let's, let's ask God like, why so long, Lord? Let's get our last point. Because you can't take that. So they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And now a generation is the time it takes for a person to grow up into adulthood and have children. So like my generation, I turned into an adult, I had my kids, and then they had kids that starts the next generation. You get it? 
That window of time is usually textbook like 35, 40 years. They wandered in the desert long enough for the generation of those that were born into slavery to die off. And the ones that were born into promise were the ones that got the chance to get it. Because there are things that come from your born in bondage mind that can't go into promise. There are some things that got to die off first. There's some ways that you think, some ways you move, some ways you handle stuff that can't go with promise. And that got to die off because that can't go. You can't take that with you. You can't take the way that you handle people right now with you. I got to process that out of you. You can't take the way that you can only rely and count on yourself. That, oh, if I can't do it, it can't be done. I got to work that out of you because I got to teach you how to trust me. That way that you can fold up into your emotions and stay there. That can't go into promise. I got to work that. I got to work that out of you. That way that you just make sure that I am always the last resort for you. That you will call your auntie, your mama, your best friend. You will call everybody in the world before you get to me. I got to work that out of you before I can get you to promise. Because I, what you're asking for, I want to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. It's up to you how long that takes. Because I gotta, you got to work the process. The short way is not for you. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? I want so badly, so badly for the heart of God to be more desired than the hand of God. Because I think that if we were more passionate about our desire for his heart, then the process wouldn't feel as bad. Because if in the storm it was your heart I was chasing, then it wouldn't bother me so bad that it's taken so long for me to get what's in your hand. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you're in a relationship and the relationship is all about what you can get, what you can get, what you can get, then you're always waiting for the next get. But when it is the heart of the person, then you don't have to be giving me anything. I just want to be where you are. I like hearing your voice. I like hearing your name, whether we together or not together. I can't help myself but to talk about you because it's the heart of you that I'm so passionate about. When you are always hunting for the hand, when you don't get what's in the hand, you feel mishandled. Because that was always the goal anyway. But when you know the heart of the person, when you know the heart of God, that you know, God, your heart is always for me. That even when it's unfolding in a way that is painful for me, you are still doing it for my good. That even when I'm crying because of the decisions that you made for me, I'm able to know, God, this hurts. And I know that you see that it hurts. But I know that you didn't leave me in it. And you did this so that at the end of it, it still works for my good. I wish that the kingdom mindset would shift to where that's the desire. To where we got past this hunt for blessings and got more into this passion for just Christ. 
that when I go into my scripture, I'm not going to look for you to tell me I can do what I want to do. Because you ever do that? Like you pray for something. People say, go into the word. So you go into the word. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given. That's what I'm looking for because I needed to put the word on what I, you know what I mean? Like I already had my agenda. But instead, I want to go into scripture. And I just want to learn about you. Like here these Israelite people are. What did you do with them? Oh, am I like that? What was your heart towards them? Because if I learn your heart towards them, then I'll understand your heart towards me. Let me see how you moved in these people's life when they were in need. Because if you did it for them, I know that you'll do it for me. I hear, see, hear that you healed the blind man. It means you have the power to do miracles. If you did miracles for them, you can do miracles for me. Like just learning the intention of God. Got to get back to that place. Because if not, then the long way will always be an offense. The long way will always be a problem. But what we learned last week and we learned this week, that there is blessing and pressure and there is blessing and waiting. So when God gives you the opportunity to wait, you have to say, God, there is something in this that you are giving me. There is something in this that you are teaching me. There is something in this that you are breaking in me. There is something in this that you are watering in me. God, let me sit still in the process under the pressure to see you in it. Because here's what's amazing. When they got into right to the border of Canaan, the promised land. Up until then, he had been sending down manna every day. Manna is like this bready type of stuff for them to eat every day. But right when they got to the border, he sent men in to scope out the land, and they brought out fruit from the land. And they ate that once they got closer to the promise. They weren't there into the city yet, but they were eating the fruit of it before they actually got it. Because I need to change your palate from that. Yeah, manna was what we did when we were in the wilderness, but we're coming up on promise now. And I need to change your palate so that when you get into it, you have the appetite for it. It's all process and, and, and transitioning. Yes, I'm putting you in it because I'm, I'm changing the way that you desire. I'm changing the things that you like. I'm changing the thing that you want so that once I sit you in it, you'll never have to run, run back to bondage because bondage is not familiar to you no more. You don't even have an appetite for those things no more. That everything that you function like now looks like the promise that I gave you. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.